Hey everybody, welcome to Leading from Afar, a podcast by remote leaders for remote leaders, aimed at sharing knowledge and experience to help make remote awesome within your companies. I'm Scott Markovitz. I was the first hire at Envision and helped build the foundations of the company for marketing, sales, product, operations, and pretty much everything between. I've also mentored and consulted with hundreds of early stage startups, including a bunch of remote ones. And I'm Tevi Hirshhorn. I've built and led design and product teams remotely, and I'm a longtime remote work evangelist. Each episode, we'll speak about hot topics, trends, and the future of remote work. We'll also interview some super smart leaders at all levels of remote teams and introduce you to new tools that can help you succeed as a remote leader. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in and today to another episode of Leading from Afar. I'm Scott Markovitz, here with my co-host, Tevi Hershon. Tevi, we had a week off from recording. How was that week off? Busy. Got a lot of stuff done, but uh, doing great. Excited to kick off another episode. Yeah, indeed. So today's going to be a real treat. We're kicking off a new series today about asynchronous communication, what it is, why use it, and the tools to be successful at it. So we're stoked to be joined by the the king of async, Amir Selavendic, who's the CEO and co-founder of Doist. Amir has been a longtime passionate advocate about using async communication, so much so that you built a tool for it. And I think we'll dig into that specifically later. But Amir, usually the way that we start off is maybe telling everybody a little bit more about yourself. I don't think that you really need an introduction, but go for it and a little bit about the origin story of Doist. Sure. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. I'm a really asynchronous fanatic. It's a kind of a religion and not really anything else by this point. Yeah. So a bit about myself. I was born in Bosnia in a small town called, it's where the kingdom of Bosnia was thousands of years ago. It's a super small town. My family lived there for a long time. Then like a war came and we had to refugee. We went to Denmark and I grew up in Denmark, studied there and lived there for most of my life. At some point I got into programming and creating projects and stuff. And that's how I ended up creating a to-do list for myself. I have basically created this to-do list and kept doing it for over 10 years. <laughs> in the beginning, just on a side project, nightly fashion. And at some point, it became a, a full-time job. And then I built a company around that. And then we have also created Twist, which is this asynchronous tool. Our mission is kind of to invent the future of work. And I know a lot of people, they say this, <laughs> it's kind of trendy. But for us, we started with remote first 10 years ago. With asynchronous first, we started that many years ago as well. I, I think there's something really fascinating brewing up in this space. And I think it will have huge implications for the world, hopefully also for creating a better world and giving equal opportunities to people regardless of where they live. Yeah. So honestly, that's something that I'm very passionate about and excited about just to see what are the second order effects of all of this. Thank you for sharing. That's awesome. So while a lot of the world has been struggling to figure out remote and many people have embraced it, um, a lot of managers have struggled with it. Async is a whole new idea. A lot of people have tried to replicate the office environment and face-to-face video meetings remotely. Could you describe what async communication is and maybe with some ground rules? Sure, sure. Just to step a bit back, I think Chris Dixon has written about this. And Chris Dixon is a famous investor. I think he works for A16Z, a famous VC company, where a lot of times when you have a new technology, the thing you will try to do is basically just take the old stuff that you did and just try to port it to the new technology. And we have seen this, I think like one of the examples he gives is TV 
and theaters. So in the beginning, the thing you did with TV is basically you recorded the theater and that was the movie. Then they found out, oh, this is a whole complete new medium that you need to do it very differently. And the same thing is maybe with journalism. If you look at the history of New York Times, the first New York Times, they basically took pictures of the actual <laughs> newspaper and posted it online. I think the same thing happens with synchronous work and asynchronous work. Remote first is the first thing you do is you try to just take, okay, we have an office at Miami. This is how we work inside an office. Let's just make that digital and move it into the cloud. And that's it. But what we don't maybe understand is it's a whole different whole different environment, whole different set of rules. And I think it has huge implications for like a lot of stuff, communication, leadership, maybe even the people that succeed inside a remote first asynchronous environment are very different from those that succeed in synchronous office environments. And then we come back to asynchronous. The basic concept is actually from computer science. You have synchronous messaging and asynchronous. In synchronous, you send a message and then you expect an answer right away. In asynchronous, you send a message and then you don't expect an answer. The answer might be delayed for a long time. Once you switch to asynchronous as default, it means basically that all the communication, you never actually expect answers right away as a default. So that's the basic concept. Interesting. To highlight something that you said, it's things have spoken about, we've heard from other guests on, on previous episodes about that intentionality of remote work, the biggest mistake that was made over the last year and, and why I throw out any reporting or anything that comes from the last year, it's remote work was never plug and play. You couldn't take what you did in the office and didn't do it remotely. You know, everything needed need to be redesigned and really developed for remote in mind. But that's a whole nother tirade I can go on and, and not uh, the purpose for the show. But the question I have, and I know when we've spoken about asynchronous before, is there any criteria around a company, maybe the life cycle, very early stage, later stage, geographical locations, everyone's on the East Coast, scheduling that makes asynchronous more ideal or perhaps less ideal than synchronous communication? I think that's something to know from what you can see is it works in very small companies, in medium-sized companies and large companies because we have examples of this right now. So you have GitLab and Automatic, which are asynchronous first organizations. They are over a thousand people. And then you have us that are about a hundred and then you have much smaller companies. I don't think scale matters or the type of work you do matters. We work asynchronous first with everybody, including accountants, lawyers. Most of the communication is done via text. And of course, it's healthy to have some meetings and have synchronous calls, even just to connect with people and see them. But just as the default way of working, we do that asynchronously with everybody. So I think it can apply to, to everybody. I think something that's misconception about this is sometimes people think uh, we are promoting asynchronous only. And I think asynchronous only does not really work. You lose a human touch. And even something I think that's super critical in remote first and asynchronous in my mind is actually meeting people. So you actually do want to have a retreat where you meet people or you fly out and meet your team, hang out with your team, because we are social by nature. So not having that, I think, is a huge disadvantage. Interesting. You said something interesting about async. You said how you don't expect a response in async communication. So inherently, there's lag in async. How do you make sure that you're meeting deadlines? How do you make sure you keep momentum? That's a great question, Debbie. And something to know is I do think you move a bit slower with uh, asynchronous communication. It's not as fa fast-paced as synchronous, but I also think you have more room to think deeply about something. Uh, so when you actually do come up 
with an answer. It will maybe be more profound than something that just you fire right away. But it's true. I think for some work, maybe you also need to think about, for instance, let's say that you have an emergency, then it's probably not a very good idea to do it asynchronous, regardless of this emergency. Maybe even if you're brainstorming and you really want to have a lot of ideas, maybe it's actually useful to open up Fig Jam or whatever else people use to just brainstorm stuff uh, and come with ideas. So I would definitely challenge the idea of only doing asynchronous everything. I think you need to mix in. But yeah, as a default way, you lose some speed by doing this. That's interesting. And you're saying embrace that and make sure that you're not going too fast so that you have some space to think deeply, think carefully. And you don't measure necessarily that. Do you measure the other way? Make sure you're not going too fast. Make sure you're not doing too many face-to-faces. We don't measure that. I think it's part of the culture that that you promote. So yeah, something that I think like is interesting is maybe looking into the studies that have been done on this. So I think Harvard did some studies on this where they basically looked at problem solving and what is the best method. The best method is actually from what I recall is basically that uh, you have actually room to think and then you meet with others to present the thinking or the problem solving and then you come up with like with a better solution by doing that. So that's a, at least a how I view this like mode is basically then you think you come with something and then we build a better understanding by that. Then just maybe thinking in real time, maybe you're more dominating than me and speak more than me Then my ideas get blocked out uh, of this. Uh, there's a lot of implications here that is maybe implied by this way of communicating and thinking. That's an interesting point about the domination. You said before that it doest you default to a text-based asynchronous communication style. What are your thoughts about audio and video? You know, I know there's lots of great tools for doing video for let's say stand-ups or throwing Loom videos back and forth to each other. Do you guys use audio and video with Hinduist for, for some of the async communication and is there a right place uh, format for it? Yeah, Scott, that's an excellent question. And honestly, I think we are just mastering the written form of asynchronous, but I think asynchronous video and voice has a lot of power as well. We do use a bit of Loom and some people actually do a presentation with Loom and asynchronous presentation. So it's definitely something that will be more explored in the future. I think it's a very new field. We are just tipping our toes collectively into this space. And even I think from this side, we actually do want to try to explore this. There's even some cultures. My wife is from Chile. I know a bit about the Latin American culture and they send a lot of voice messages. I'm just like, why do you do this? And, and the same thing I know with Asian people as well, they do that. So even in the consumer space, actually like voice messaging is very common. And I think for work that is maybe also going to be present as well, because with voice emotion becomes like much easier to, to transfer. In text, it's very easy to actually misunderstand something or you don't really get the tone of the message. And then you get mad or you think somebody has insulted you or whatever problems that can arise by this. Video and and voice, I think, are very good on emotional level. But I still think there's not much that beats a very well-written, well-thought-out document that you have spent some hours on crafting. And then you share this because then your best ideas presented there. It's not somebody that's just rambling around and not having a very structured thought or something like that. I think the problem with voice and video is that right now it's just basically used for fast communication where you're not very careful what you're actually saying. Yeah. And maybe with some tools that can help you create better video and audio content. Yeah. 
to touch on what you mentioned, I want to switch gears into the leadership and management portion. How do you make sure that your message is being received the way you intend, that your tone isn't being misunderstood, especially in a remote async environment? If, if somebody just comes to the desk, if they're unhappy or upset from something unrelated to work, they could just totally misread something in the wrong tone. <laughs> that is a very good uh, point, Debbie. If I need to deliver some hard feedback, I try to do that via a call. I think like it's very dangerous if you do it in text only or even worse if you do that in a public forum. We do very little of public shaming. If you need to deliver something hard for a person, do it privately, do it in a call. So that's at least what is has been our culture from the beginning. And I think if you don't do that, yeah, I've been reflecting a lot of the Basecamp situation. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the problem. They should actually have de-escalate this issue, maybe have a one-on-one -on -one, uh, small conversation and not text only. So that's also something that I'm still reflecting on is how can you actually like prevent that? Or how can you actually go in and solve it be before it becomes this huge bomb that goes off? That's something I'm actually actively thinking about. Maybe text is not really the best <laughs> for all of the communication, especially if it's sensitive or something. I think intellectual things, presenting some kind of argument for why this UI or this product should go in this direction. You can be very open and even hurt somebody's feelings on that if it's kind of like an intellectual level. But if it becomes very personal, then text can be very dangerous. That's at least my current thinking about this. Yeah, if you want maybe to pull that out a little bit further from the employee side, it's obviously ingrained within the culture to use async communication. But how do you keep your finger on the pulse within the company to make sure that the team is a fan of using async or things are moving too slow? How do you ensure that the team is actually happy using that form of communication as time goes on? Yeah, Scott, that's a, that's a good question. And something to know is the current asynchronous organization, we don't have a lot of companies that have over 50 people, but most of them that have GitLab, Buffer, maybe to some extent, Zapier, the employee retention is over 90%. So most people don't actually leave. And I think that tells you a bit about how happy people are about this asynchronous first way of doing stuff. So that's one thing. And maybe something that we encourage people, and we have had this multiple times is a radical candor so when people are unhappy they should you know just voice it up uh, bring it up to the table we encourage this type of feedback and actually at some point our head of marketing brenna had this idea of just eliminating all meetings and just going all in on asynchronous and then maybe a bit into this she was just folks this sucks i can't really connect with my team i can't connect with people this is a mistake we were reflecting on that and we figure out like, we can't be too extreme on this so yeah i think open dialogue and having people that can actually go in and challenge and tell you how things are is very important that's something that we encourage sometimes people can bring up some issues that you're maybe not aware of, or maybe you're not even a fan of them. You kind of need to, to tackle that as well and try to see it from their side, especially in a company that's so diverse as this. We have a lot of different people, a lot of different backgrounds, religions, uh, cultures. Something that, that has surprised me is how few conflicts we have had. We had retreats where we have Russians and Americans partying together. You know, that is usually our recipe for a disaster, but it isn't... Uh, for, for us and I. I definitely agree that meetings suck. Not a fan of meetings in, in the least bit. Debbie and I are, are both on board with your methodology of async is the, the way to go. 
but there are plenty of companies that have a misconception or get it wrong. What do you think they get wrong about the idea of async communication? Top three things that people hate is uh, they think that doesn't really work is speed. I think Tavi touched on that. The second one is you can't really build connections or the culture will, will be weak in asynchronous first companies. And maybe the, the third one is because it's slower, it won't be that effective. Most people will get blocked and you will not be able to handle emergencies. And there's a lot of catastrophic scenarios where you don't really think you can take things slower and more reflective than as soon as possible. Everything needs to go fast. That is the default way that companies operate right now. Yeah. So that would be my top three of stuff that people always flag or are unsure about. Nice. So you're very vocal about the mission of Doist to reduce distractions um, and eliminate noise, help people focus. How do you as CEO reduce noise? You're very popular on Twitter and you write and you do podcasts. How do you reduce the noise, but also make sure you're, you don't reduce too much and you still stay connected to the team? Something that I think has influenced me a lot is how Danish people in general work. So I think that's something that if you go to Scandinavia, most people work 37 uh, hour weeks or, or less. But if you're actually inside a, a company or in, inside a work environment, people don't fool around. You go in, you do your work, and then you just disconnect and spend time with your family and your friends and stuff like that. So that's kind of my way of working as well. And something that I try to, to do is basically like when I go into work, I really go to work. I, I don't spend a lot of time on being distracted or procrastinating. The more you train this, the better you become. So a quote I have heard about work and life balance is basically what you want to train is basically going in full focus and then ability to remove this focus and go and, and do something else. What I try to do in my daily life is basically focus on this. So if I'm focused on something, I'm just Zen mode where that's the only thing I think about. And I think that is where you create maybe better work. You think better. This said, that is the utopia because I'm still human. And sometimes for me, especially as a founder CEO, is disconnecting is actually really tough. It's something I've struggled a lot during my life because it's just hard to shut off the brain like and say, okay, stop thinking about that. <laughs> I have much easier time connecting and like focusing on work than actually disconnecting from work, which is why I'm such a proponent of tools that kind of encourage disconnection and shutting stuff off and why I'm very discouraged by this always on work culture because for me then I'm working all the time and I can't really relax and I'm pretty sure a lot of people can relate to this. So you see yourself going the other way. You are always trying to disconnect as opposed to the other way around. You feel you're able to focus on work a lot easier and the practice is disconnecting. You're not worried that you're too disconnected. Exactly. Yeah. So for me, the problem isn't connecting, it's more how do I disconnect? <laughs> Something to note about my personality type, and I think a lot of founders have this as well. I can work all the time. It's not really that the issue is how do I work not all the time, especially as you get kids and stuff, then the other part becomes really important and critical. If you can't disconnect, you're with your kids, but maybe you're not really with your kids because inside your head thinking of some kind of problem. Completely in line with that of that mode of deep work. I think you're known for keeping a light calendar. Is there any fear within the company of trying to schedule time to get on your calendar? And do you have any specific rules of how to be able to book a meeting with you when needed? I'm very open with that. And I actually love to, to speak with people. I have an assistant and they can just book 
a time whenever they want. Yeah. Uh, and people do, but it's actually not that often. Uh, a lot of times I need to push the issue and book uh, a meeting with people uh, instead. I think something that is very critical is being available uh, as a leader, even in asynchronous way. So for me, everybody can direct message me. I respond maybe not in real time, but I respond uh, quite fast. Even in asynchronous environment, you need to be available and open for, for communication. Nice. So tell us a bit about Twist. So it's a tool that you built specifically for async communication. We all know that Slack is a fire hose of always-on information. What were some of the, the features of, of Twist that you were trying to improve on for async communication? How is it different than Slack? We actually were one of like the early adopters of Slack, and we use it for a year or two. So we know the real-time <laughs> chat uh, really well. And honestly, it was a nightmare as a leader to be part of this environment. I don't know why anybody would want to have that kind of lifestyle, especially in a fully distributed company where you have people working all the time in different time zones. You can Then you have a huge problem disconnecting. And, and that's basically how we started out. We actually never started out and said, okay, we want to do a team communication app. We are really getting burned out by all of this always on, real time, chit chat all day. It's very hard to actually concentrate to do any work. It's very hard to just go home and, and shut down the computer because discussions are happening, work is happening, and you need to be aware of, of that. We look on the market and there was nothing that kind of was empty that environment. Everybody was just copying Slack. And even right now, Microsoft Teams is basically like a Slack clone with very few innovations on its own. And even the innovation that they may be added is even more synchronous communication via meetings. <laughs> so it's a double nightmare. So that's why we did this. It was a very hard product decision uh, to do because we are still a super small company and you, you must go in and fight and compete against companies that have billions and even unlimited resources Microsoft. I don't know. They can hire 10,000 people without thinking much about it. <laughs> it it's very nuts to, to go into this market, but we did it because nobody was solving this. Nobody thought it was a problem. And still today, it's very strange how few people actually believe this is an issue. <laughs> and that there's kind of another way to work and communicate and live that is not time and not chit chat and not meetings all day long. But that's why we have created Twist and we are actually doing a new version right now where we are just going all in on this vision of how we imagine team communication should be. It's either going to be a huge success or it's going to be a huge flop. We are not going to leave our room in between. But honestly, for us, it has been a very hard journey because for Twist, it has not really a strong product market fit in the current iteration. And the reason why is asynchronous is still a niche. Most people still don't believe in it. It's only maybe this year and maybe the last couple of months where people are all asynchronous. There's something here. For us, we have been working on Twist for almost six years now. It has been a huge investment and it's more a religion right now than a product strategy or a market strategy. We want to do this because we believe in it. We are just waiting for the markets to, to wake up and say, okay, there's something here. We'll see. Or this will continue to being a super niche and then we have just spent 10 years on working on something that, that is going nowhere. But we'll see. <laughs> I love the idea of preaching the Bible of async communication being the future. And exactly as you said, it's been the last six months to 12 months as companies have gotten remote through COVID that people are like, hey, this might actually work, especially since so many companies have to throw in extra meetings, had to throw in extra touch points and have that 
never-ending nonsense, it definitely makes sense that this is the future and building the tools now and, and preaching that idea of this is you know, the best model to use is, is fantastic and, and I love it. On one side, we spoke about Slack, the always-on approach leading to burnout within the team. So on the other hand, how does Twist foster and contribute to a more healthier communication within the team? Yeah, I love the stuff that you as a product designer, product person do is think about the patterns that you use inside the software. And a lot of the patterns that Slack uses, they are dark patterns to just increase engagement and make it a very addictive and fun experience. So what we have done is done empty engagement. Of course, you need to have some fun to make communication enjoyable, but it should not be addictive. So for instance, in Twist, you can't really see when somebody's online or not. You can see if they have read something or not. And the reason is if you bring that in, then you bring synchronous communication. You see that Tevi is online. I message Tevi. I expect an answer. <laughs> but if you don't see, or you can't see if Tevi is online, you send a message. Tevi can just see that message and say, okay, I don't really want to speak with Amir right now. I will like, get back to him in an hour. But that's, I think, the core pattern of this. But also how you structure the UI as well matters a lot. So in Swiss, threads are uh, first-class citizens. In Slack, they're demoted. They have threads, but it's very limited. The UI encourages longer-form content, uh, which is better in an asynchronous environment because when you send a message, you want to have all the information inside this message. You don't want to have this regular chit-chat. Hello, John, and then you wait for John to answer. Then you, you ask your question, and then you wait for an answer. But you send a message, compose everything, send that, then you don't really know when the answer Sometimes it's right away. Sometimes it's in a, in a few hours or, or something like that. Yeah. So I hope I answered that, Scott, just to give you an idea of how we think about this. But it's, I think it's kind of patterns and what are the priorities of, of the company. Nice. Jeff Bezos was famous for his six-page briefs at the meeting to try to get more thoughtful, composed ideas on the page before even talking about it. So I guess it's the exact opposite of one-line Slack chit-chat. Exactly. Yeah. It's surprising how few companies encourage this written form of communication. I think another company that, that I know does this is Stripe, who also has had a lot of success. So there's definitely something I think about this, but just thinking hard, writing it down and sharing that instead of doing an inside chit chat or even a presentation. I think maybe these PowerPoints aren't really the best way to convey ideas. All right. So, so our, my last question for you, what's a recent book that you'd like to share with our listeners? I know you love to read. Yeah. The thing is, honestly, I have two small kids. And then I have a passion for podcasts, for articles and books. What currently gets the like least time is book reading because book reading requires a lot more time. Yeah. So let me just see what I have on my list. I have a huge list of things. So something actually that, that I got recommended is the uh, Infinite Machine, which is about crypto, about Ethereum, the history and the future of that. Honestly, something I'm very passionate about, apart from remote first, asynchronous first, is the crypto space and decentralized finance. I think that will have huge implications as well. Of course, there's also huge amounts of speculation and a lot of bad stuff happening as well, Dogecoin and, and stuff like <laughs> that. But I think it's a very exciting space. So that, that is the book that I'm going to read next, The Infinite Machine. Awesome. Any last question, gentlemen? 
I'm curious, how do you folks see asynchronous and is it something that you're adopting? I'm very intrigued by it, but it requires buy-in. It requires the whole team to be on board with it. Otherwise, you're the quiet one who's sitting out from conversations. I've actually been working currently at Envision. I've been working on introducing more async processes, less meetings, maybe recordings of the solutions review, and then having conversations about it after the review, let's say in Slack. So definitely pushing for it because I think there is too much noise and not everybody needs to be in the room at the same time. I think that just wastes a lot of time from an efficiency standpoint. I agree with that. I'm a very anti-meeting person. I passionately hate meetings. I speak about <laughs> it quite often. I think the only two opportunities for synchronous are team building, which I think is a necessity and should be done very often of non-work related team building, games, fun, Netflix parties, whatever it may be, something that your team gets together and has a good time together. I think that is super important for that face-to-face, -face, especially as a remote company, having that video time just to be able to see the, the other person, their face and their mannerisms and things like that. And the other case is the one-on-one -on -one feedback. I think positive feedback can be used in both asynchronous and synchronous, but certainly if you're giving constructive feedback, it has to be synchronous, it has to be over video, because I think we started off the conversation today. Text opens up too many opportunities for someone to misread um, or just be in a bad mood that day or something happened and take something that you've written in the wrong context. So outside of those, I totally believe in asynchronous. I've for years have tried to get rid of meetings when I've been in positions where I needed to organize meetings. I tried to put in a detailed agenda with at mentions with specific bullet items knowing that in probably at least 50% or more of the cases in my career, that when someone's called out saying, hey, we're having this meeting because Scott, we're waiting for your sign off or Tevi, we're waiting for you to you know, provide us a, a designer to do this. That person doesn't want to sit in 30 or 60 minute meeting and they say, okay, I, I have one action item. So if I can just give that item before the meeting comes, I probably don't need to, to get in the, in the meeting. And thankfully, in many cases, it works that way. So I think using that asynchronous communication is definitely the future, especially for meetings that don't need to be team building or one-on-ones. And that's my two cents. And, and I love the spin that the perspective that it's a default to thoughtful, reflective, you know, thinking as opposed to the live impulsive now. And I guess it requires a lot of discipline to hold back your need to connect right now to say, let's pause and it'll take time, but we'll figure it out. Yeah. I think it's even a bigger idea. I mean, that I've learned over the years, it's when you're angry or somebody upsets you, especially family, your wife says something to you that upsets you. It's never automatically respond. At least wait a day, you know, wait till the next day. And if you're still on fire the next day about something that was said, then at that point, but take your time, think about the right response. Should I say it? Should I put the text together? How many times I've written a whole book of something? And the next day I'll go back and I've cut out half of it. I changed the language and I've gone from one tone to the opposite tone. <laughs> I, I definitely that perspective of taking time to think about it, taking time to look at the different perspectives and how to present what you're trying to say in the best possible way. So you're an async husband, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a new trend. But I'll copy that. <laughs> async husband. <laughs> that's the next thing in, uh, you know, marriage counseling <laughs> and things like that. Yeah. Here's a six-page brief, and I'll get, I'll respond uh, tomorrow. <laughs> nice. Excellent. Yeah. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Amir, thank you so much for your time and sharing the insights. 
about twist, about doist, about async communications and, and all the, the good features and, and things that come out of it. Everyone, until the next episode, have a wonderful day. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning into today's episode of Leading from Afar. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can learn more on our website, leadingfromafar.com, and subscribe to the podcast in your favorite app. This podcast is all about you, the remote leaders. We'd love to hear from you with your feedback or ideas for future topics and remote leaders we should be speaking with. Mm-hmm.